start the meditation by just becoming aware of the body sitting just slowly going through the body and checking the posture the back is straight and the vertebrae on top of each other like a stack of coins bringing your awareness to the area around the heart the chest area open and receiving the shoulders relaxed the area around the mouth and the jaw relaxed the tongue is on the roof of the mouth and the area around the eyes and the forehead just with the awareness kind of sweeping through the body and noticing how it feels and then just coming back to the whole frame of the body sitting and naturally breathing in and breathing out and I'm sure by now you notice there is a different energy in this room and also in your own body and mind we are now together all a whole day bringing awareness to the body and the mind and through that very bringing of awareness it starts to slow down naturally not by manipulating it in any way but by just becoming aware naturally slows down like now by now the muddy waters have have cleared a bit the dirt has been you know sinking down to the bottom of the lake because we are not stirring it anymore in the same way as it's happening in our daily lives there's a lot of demands on us it's just a natural process which occurs all by itself if you just let it this is just the very fact of impermanence at our service if we let it this phenomenon of impermanence is a very central one to our lives and it was for the Buddha in his life story we, we, can, uh, we can see that it was the first you know, deep insight which turned his whole life around and this insight into impermanence is a 
can be a very strong incentive for practice once we become conscious of impermanence being you know, everywhere in our lives. And it has always been that way and it always will be that way. But being conscious of it is, is the real point which can turn our lives around. Once we, we see very clearly that this is an unescapable law of nature and rather than denying it and trying to find solidity in, in different constructs and escapes, it's much better to turn fully towards it and, and cooperate with impermanence, make it a friend, rather than trying to find permanence in a world where there is none to be found. Because that what we call the world or what we call ourselves or what we call things, they are all processes. There's no, not one unchanging entity to be found within or without. And this was the very insight which, you know, made the Buddha actually leave, leave behind his, his life as a prince. He's a very privileged, you know, life as a prince and husband of a beautiful wife and having a lovely son and having, a, having his whole career cut out for him already. He, he just left it all behind because he felt there's something uh, more he wants to learn. And that happened to him when he was for the first time living, living his very secluded life in a palace with lots of privilege and being surrounded only by the best of everything, most beautiful people, young people, healthy people. He just was, you know, was living in a, in a, in a very artificial environment. And one day he just drove with his charioteer to town and he met different things he had never seen before because his father wanted to make sure that he wouldn't question life too deeply because he wanted him to just follow in his footsteps and, and become like the ruler of this little kingdom he was born into the kingdom of the Sakyas and when he went to this to town he, he saw the four heavenly messengers. And all of us, we can see those heavenly messengers if we want to. At least three of them we can see all the time if we are opening our eyes and really, you know, let it touch our hearts, what we are seeing. Because in a culture like ours, it's those those phenomena are very much you know uh, um, pushed to the side or kind of 
taken to, to into special institutions so people don't have to see those sites because they are considered disturbing because they go against the cultural norm of what is considered beautiful or attractive. So the first set he saw was, was a, an old person tottering around you know, the, on the side of the street, very unfirm and very insecure and obviously not very beautiful sight. And then he, the Buddha turned to his charity and he said, what is that? I've never seen something like that. And he said, this is an old person. Somebody has lived a long time and the body is starting to show signs of, of wearing out. And then the Buddha said, oh, really, that happened to me too? And the charity said, yes, of course, everybody who is born will get old. It has never occurred to him before because he'd never seen an old person before. And then they drove on, and the next side was a sick person lying on the side of the street in his own or her own like fluids and not a very beautiful sight. So again, struck the Buddha deeply. And he wondered if, if that could happen to him too. And again, his charity said, of course, everybody who is born gets sick at one time or another. That's a normal thing to happen. It's just a matter of time. It's going to happen at one point. And then the next side was a um, corpse lying on the side of the street. And I'm sure there's maybe a few people here who have never seen a corpse yet. Because in our culture it's not an easy thing actually to see a corpse because they are all kind of carried away very quickly, hidden somewhere because people are afraid to see corpses. 
because it's kind of something has gone wrong, somebody died. Like if it wouldn't be the most natural thing that if one is born, one dies. It's just a question of when. So after seeing those three sides, the, a sense of urgency arose in the Buddha. If that can happen to me too, Suddenly, he felt he wanted to understand what this is all about, to be born and to age, to get sick and to die. How does that all fit into the bigger picture? Why, why is this happening? What is it which is keeping us in this cycle of birth, aging, illness and death keeps us caught in this cycle to come and to go again and again. Then they drove a little further and then he saw a fourth side, the fourth heavenly messengers, which was a um, um, renunciant on arms round, somebody wearing robes with a shaven head and an arms bowl, walking along the street, having a quite peaceful and serene demeanor about him or herself. And the Buddha was, was wondering, you know, what does this person know so that they, you know, have such a presence of centeredness and uh, serenity about themselves. He felt very interested and he felt inspired to follow this kind of, of life. And then I think the rest of the story you probably have all heard. He went one more time back to the palace and he prepared his his leaving. And then he was seeking out teachers of the most famous teachers of his time. And in the end he wasn't satisfied with any of, of what he learned from them and he felt it wasn't really yet the answer to his quest and and today we still benefit from his own breakthrough and the teaching which has arisen from that 
deep insight into life and it can be summarized in, in, in many different ways but one way of summarizing the insight of the Buddha is, is uh, the three characteristics of life or three characteristics or signs of existence whereas the first one is the impermanence, insight into impermanence which is the gateway to insight in the other two signs of life second one is unsatisfactoriness and the third one is essencelessness or selflessness so the insight into impermanence sounds kind of quite a simple thing because you know we all know that things are changing but to really deeply know that not just intellectually but really deeply know it that's another thing because if we really deeply and totally understand and have insight into impermanence that's a synonym for enlightenment really By, by just sitting and fully being mindful of the body breathing in and breathing out that's a gateway to deeper and deeper understand impermanence but just observing the breath first and from an intellectual and you know, a knowledge of impermanence we, we are coming to an experiential understanding just through sheer repetition of coming back to it again and again whenever the mind drop, uh, drifts off into thinking about past or future trying to get a ground to hold on to something as soon as you notice it you come back to the ever-changing process of the breathing instead of you know trying to hold on to some story about the past and the future you're just becoming aware of the changingness itself just being centered in the experience of the body breathing in and breathing out 
It's a very, very simple practice, a very powerful practice. Just like riding the waves of, of the on the ocean, just breathing in and breathing out. And whenever the mind contracts around a, a story, just trying to get some ground, just gently releasing it and coming back to the ever-changing process of body. Just feeling the mind with that experience of breathing in and breathing out. That, in, that uh, investigation or uh, appreciation of impermanence is a gateway into reality. So suddenly everything you know, which we are considering to be solid, 
it just reveals itself as a as a process. Which is consisting of many, 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 many elements, a composite process. And the deeper we look, the more complex and composite it, it becomes and there's no end to it. It all ends up in emptiness. There's no solid building blocks to be found anywhere. It's just what appears to the sense organs. through meditation and through increasing calmness we, we can start to intuitively perceive that there actually are no separate things but it's all a, a ever-expanding process and we are part of it. <coughs> And if we are, you know, in this controlled environment of the retreat where relaxation can come rather quickly, we can have a taste of that. It's what we call insight. It all starts by just noticing impermanence by being mindful of the breath. Or mindful of the body walking during the walking meditation.
just abstaining from you know, con allowing the man to contract around the usual stories we, we you know, throw, our minds are throwing up since years on end, always the same stories about this, about that, depending on your neurosis, you have a certain collection of, of stories the mind is throwing up. And this afternoon, Arjuna Bodhi was speaking about the hindrances. That's a, a way of to classify the different stories in, into the five hindrances, for example. There can be also other ways how do this we can classify, but that's it's a very good way to list them. There are different ways how we can tune out of reality and grasping and contracting around different themes like, for example, greed or ill will or sloth and torpor, doubt and restlessness. It's different ways of tuning out and grasping contracting around something in order to not experience the groundlessness of being which is the reality And, you know, all different meditation techniques, all the teachings of the Buddha, they're all geared towards encouraging us to, to step out into the groundlessness of being and trust, trust that as being reality and opening to that. like leaping off from a cliff and then suddenly no, noticing that we can fly.
like if you can picture it like if we are with a little boat on a, on a river not going to the right bank and not going to the left bank to hold on to extremes about being and not being but rather being in the middle and just being in the flow and whenever we notice we are holding on to the left or right just coming back to the middle just floating it's also a one way how the Buddha's teaching is is often described as, as the middle way not going to extremes about something being this way or not being this way but rather being with what is there's no need to judge it it's being this or being that but rather letting it be what it is, knowing that it is going to change. if you allow it in this way everything in our lives can teach us teach us about reality and about the way things are an open-ended story
things which, you know, in the moment can look like very unfortunate can turn out to be the best thing ever happened because it woke us up into becoming more mindful about our lives. And how mysterious that is, that what, turn, what sometimes looks like the worst thing that can ever happen to us turns out to be a, a blessing in disguise. I'm sure all of you have experienced that in your lives when you look back. I think this is a very important truth to reflect on. It makes you fearless. There's nothing which doesn't fit into that. If you see life as a huge learning experience, rather than a just to get what we want. I think it's very important to get to know you know our deepest wants and wishes and yearnings there's a lot of energy arranged around those very deep needs and, and wishes and dreams we all have it's very important to turn towards them and and get to know them, but they don't have to be all fulfilled. But they have to be accepted and embraced and known for what they are. They're deeply human, 
and if we allow ourselves the experience of really deeply looking into the process of uh, life that fearlessness which comes from inside we can also give that gift of fearlessness to others by being fearless it's contagious I think and to spend time with people who who have that deep trust that it communicates on a non-verbal level also it all starts by just paying attention to the body breathing very simple and can be done anytime, anywhere and then through repetition it becomes a deeper and deeper knowing dislodging old habitual ways of distracting ourselves from reality So don't underestimate the power of, of 
of just watching the body breathing in and breathing out. It's, it's a gateway to Nibbana. through repetition we can uh, reinforce that uh, knowing about the way things are on a deeper and deeper level very ordinary and very simple. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.